you're not here to lead a relationship. And even better, you're not here to win a relationship. You need to have a trusting and, and supportive relationship. The more trust and support you have in a relationship, the less the conflict will be painful. The Happy Healthy Human podcast will help you build your happy, healthy life. Your host, Paul Levitin, is a board-licensed health and wellness coach, nutrition coach, personal trainer, and behavior change specialist with over 10 years of experience helping people create positive life change. Each week, he discusses topics that will help you understand yourself, why you do the things you do, and how to take steps to create the life of your dreams. He talks with experts from therapists to addictions counselors, coaches, trainers, CEOs, financial planners, and more. If you've ever wondered how can you become the best, happiest, healthiest version of yourself, you've come to the right place. Nicholas Rion is a life and leadership coach who specializes in emotional intelligence and navigating complex relationships, both professional and personal, romantic or platonic. Drawing from a decade of experience in leadership roles across multiple industries, Nicholas brings a deep understanding of the intricate challenges and opportunities that leaders encounter within diverse corporate environments and that we encounter in our diverse lives. What I enjoyed about the conversation was Nick's real-world approach to building and bettering relationships, starting with the understanding of the self and building from the inside out. Please enjoy this conversation with Nicholas Real. If we didn't have the best models for relationships to learn from growing up from our parents or whoever else was around us, how can we start to create better relationships in our own lives going forward so that we don't repeat those same patterns? Yeah, that's, um, that's a good question. I would start with um, increasing all skills around emotional intelligence, right? So uh, the, the three that are really well known are um, uh, self-awareness, self-management and self-care, right? So those all, all those three, even if we uh, if it was only about being a better leader, for example, and increasing the performance performance of our team, so not even just specifically about relationship, that one is basic for everyone, I think. So it's it's interesting, and this is something I wanted to to speak with you about. It's like when I brought up relationships, my head goes to personal relationships, right? I'm talking about, you know, how we were raised by our family, but you went to a professional relationship. So I'm curious, how are those two personal and professional relationships similar and how are they different? I think we, we don't live both types of relationship the same way. We don't experience them the same way. In our personal relationship, there is much more, I think they go deeper there's much more trust and and support required. Um, there's all, obviously the, uh, you know, in a romantic relationship, there's even another dimension, which is attraction. While in, in professional relationships, it's more about getting things done. If we can, you know, shorten it, like 
um, shortcut it a little bit. They're not, they're not as deep. Obviously, we can have professional relationships that are as deep as personal ones. One doesn't prevent the other. You know, I always say that there is both breadth and depth into relationships. Um, depth being, uh, for example, if I want uh, support from from a relationship, like how much support do I want? That's how deep you go. And then the, um, the breadth is, okay, from a relationship, I can get support, I can get lightness, like humor and, and all those things. I can get like different things, right, from, from those relationships. It can be practical, it can be emotional, et cetera, et cetera. So basically you all, ha you have all this breadth and then how deep do you want to go? And I think potentially professional relationships are much more, have much more uh, breadth than depth, right? That's how I would compare it. That makes sense. And with that breadth, this brings up an interesting thought to me, which is about boundaries, right? Because that breadth can keep going wide, right? There's more and more and more that they can ask, or you can ask, or people can ask of each other in those in, in those in various relationships, both personal and professional, but especially in professional. So I'm curious. Are boundaries different in that same regard in the personal versus professional relationship? And how should we start to think about boundaries in our various relationships? Yeah. And when it comes to boundaries, boundaries, I think, don't depend on whether a relationship is professional or, or personal. That's not how I would. I think they, they, boundaries are important in both sides. Boundaries are the way I define them, basically we have a set of values that are very important to us, right? So uh, for myself, for example, I know that, you know, integrity is very important. Respect is very important. Kindness and, and all those things. And if I, if I have, if one of those values, for example, let's say integrity to, to choose an easy one, is being uh, stepped over by a that can be a friend or a colleague doesn't matter i need to stand up for it right and i need to make sure that it's respected otherwise i'm forgetting myself right and i'm letting i'm letting someone basically just um step over me and and uh, and disrespect me right so whether it's a friend, um, a parent or, or, or a colleague, that doesn't really matter. I need to make sure that boundary is respected. Why is because if you keep those boundaries, you know, if you, if you keep letting people disrespect them, you will end up being unfulfilled, right? Because you will not live by those values. And so, you know, the defini definition of being fulfilled in life is living by your values, right? So if you don't live by them, then you are unfulfilled. And that's a pretty, it's not a good place to be in. How can people listening think about a conversation about boundaries, especially when it's with someone who is in a theoretical, hierarchical 
one-up space to them yeah. being a boss a supervisor a parent or something like that i feel like those are the times when it's the hardest because our natural inclination is to just let them because they are quote unquote in charge right a lot of people have boundaries with their parents and their kids maybe but then their parents say something and it's like well they're my parent or again a boss it's very hard to bring up to bring up boundaries when your boss has literal power over you so how do we navigate that kind of gray area yes so i think there's one thing that could be very useful there is us and our values and our needs and we need to make sure they're respected, but those also the other person's values and needs. I once had a conversation with someone that was technically my boss. You know, we had a very long conversation uh, where we disagreed. By the way, you know, the sentence like let's agree to disagree is kind of one that is kind of uh, stopping any any way of getting to an agreement, like not an agreement, but something that pleases both of us. So I don't think that's, that's the right one. We came into a store, but after that uh, conversation, I realized, you know, like playing it back in my mind, I realized, okay, this is the value that I'm trying to make respected here, but what is theirs, right? What is his values what is what is the thing that he wants to be respected here and when you go like very deep into it and you you try and understand and really listen for it then you realize that my values were my value was i believe integrity i believe or something like that his was professionalism professionalism is not it's, it's a value of mine as well. It's not my priority, but it's pretty high in the list. And at the end of the day, when I realized that, I realized, okay, so how can we make sure that we, we stand by this value of professionalism and integrity at the same time? And when you go down to those two values, it's a much easier to come to an agreement. I think that brings up a, a really good point about seeing things from other people's perspectives. And that, you know, as you just said, what, what is, it's not, you know, we're, we're so caught sometimes in our own thing, like, the, all right, I, I have to, you know, protect my boundary, but they have boundaries as well. And that brings up an interesting question about, you know, when we're talking about relationships, obviously this is a dance with two people at, at least. Right. Yeah. So how much is it me and how much is it you, right? Like, is it 50, 50? How do we navigate that of like figuring out, is it like, do I need to focus more on me to get to the root of this or do I need to focus more on them? Yeah. So as you said, it's a dance. Luckily I do a lot of dancing, social dancing in particular. So you have to have a partner and in social dancing, I mean, usually the male is a leader. It doesn't have to be, actually. A female can be the leader as well. But there is one leader, one follower. However, I think in a relationship, it works slightly differently. I think you can't, you're not here to lead a relationship. And even better, you're not here to win a relationship. So when you really want a relationship to work out, the mindset, which is a, a big part of 
having successful relationships is your approach to relationships. You not entering that relationship to win it. You entering it to dance together. It's more of a um, you know working to the together, playing together kind of kind of relationship. And if you enter that relationship with that mindset, then it's not about how much is it me, how much is it you. Is more what do you want to get from it? What do I want to get from it? Where do we meet in the middle? But the, the difficulty really is to go into that type of conversation. Um, we often that's where that's where emotional intelligence is very important because the ability to connect emotions to needs is kind of uh, mandatory. If you're not able to do that, you will always be at the emotional level. It will be difficult for you to uh, go down to what are your needs. And if you're not able to do that, then it's hard to have a conversation, a cooperative conversation. It's, you know, thinking win-win, right? We want to, it's, this is not a combative experience. It should be a collaborative one. And I, I think that that's something that if we go into a conversation again with our spouse, our partner, our boss, our subordinate, with that in mind, that we both have the same needs here, which are to, we, we want to what's best for ourselves, for the relationship, for the organization, um, that can be very helpful. So I'm, I'm wondering if you have um, any other frameworks or, or, or things that we can use as kind of tools that, that you give to, to clients, maybe as like reminders or things to think about when they're heading into what could be a challenging conversation to make mm. sure that it doesn't end up going quickly down the drain. Being approaching it, being the adult in the room is always something that is useful. You know, you were asking, how do you deal with when a boss actually has power over you? I like to, I like to approach a difficult conversation by saying, look, I want this relationship to work. I know, and I really want us to kind of be able to work together and, and achieve what we're trying to both achieve at the end together. How can I help you? And then if obviously someone, the, the person in front of you says, I need you to do this and that, and that doesn't agree with you, then you can be, okay, again, like I really want to help you. This is, I want to understand why you need me to do this because that that's conflicting with this. Help me work this out with you. So again, you bring the other person into, into collaborate, collaborating to find a solution, the right solution. So that's one thing. And then I think one, one, um, a skill that is very uh, useful, obviously that's, that's the listening. And, uh, what I like to say is, um, listening with a genuine curiosity. So listening to understand it's not listening to find a counterpoint it's listening to understand this is a really hard one because we as you said we don't learn that very early in our lives right 
Um, and when our emotions get involved, then it's even more difficult. But this is something that is like I get so many times, even with many years working into that space, I still get sometimes like, damn, that's what they mean. That's what they want. If I had listened really carefully, I would have, you know, understood that some time ago. And I would have saved like a lot of pain. It's so interesting, the power and the skill of listening that a lot of people don't realize that it, that it is a skill, um, as you said, like, you know, real deep listening, empathetic listening. These are things that, you know, coaches and therapists have to be trained on, right? Because we, we don't listen. We're usually just waiting for the other person to finish speaking so that we can then make our counterpoint or so that we can then go say what we had to say. And this is something I love about podcasting because it's forced me to really hone in on this skill. Also being a coach, you know, something that I've really had to work on over the years and I am not perfect at it. But the obvious thing to me, we should be listening, we should be using emotional intelligence and all of these things and you know thinking win win and trying to see from the other person's perspective and all of that is great but inevitably when we're talking about communication there are going to be a time when things devolve and we get into more heated conflict so i'm wondering if you have any strategies or tips for how to resolve conflict or how to unwind things when they've become a little bit when you when you catch yourself in that place of like things have gotten out of hand and you know you're you're already a little bit deeper into the negative aspect of a con of a conversation than you'd like to be yeah what i like to to say is that if if um so conflicts are natural in in relationships um they they need to be uh conflicts but i mean essentially conflicts are disagreement that escalate into something that's you know a lot harder to solve and a lot more painful to solve because they get emotional if you don't want conflicts to be painful you need to have a trusting and, and supportive relationship the more trust and support you have in a relationship the less the conflict will be painful now that said when it's too late and you get into really like difficult conversation and you, and you know, it's emotional. Well, first of all, if it's emotional, it's not about the conflict, right? That's a, the, I, there's an expression that, um, I've learned some time ago and that really struck me. If it's, if it's emotional, it's not about the actual conversation. Um, there's something that, you know, emotions are, are not, they, they are linked to emotions, to a need, sorry. Emotions are linked to, to need. So if someone's needs are not being fulfilled, it's trying to understand that need. Also, one thing that I like to say is emotions, um, the other person's emotions are not our responsibility. Our emotions are our responsibility. That's, that stops here. Uh, our only responsibility is to fulfill the needs of others if we can. So detaching yourself from other, uh, the other person's emotions is very useful. I find, especially when you get into difficult conflicts, uh, with, with difficult conversations. If it gets emotional, 
if it gets too difficult, um, I like to say you need to get, you need to de-escalate. Because as you know, we are all subject to a certain extent to emotional flooding, which is the, the amygdala flooding the our brain, our rational brain with uh, with emotions. And when our when we are under that state, we can't think clearly. And so there's no point trying to argue at that point. De-escalate, make sure that you get out of that state so that you can have an actual conversation. That's what I would say. So there's obviously two parts of that. It could be the uh, your co-person getting emotional, right? The person that you're arguing with, uh, or again, having a conversation with, it doesn't have to be an argument. And and that takes a different, you know, that takes a level of like, okay, we have to understand that they're, that they're getting emotional and like w- w- what that means. But sometimes it's me getting emotional. That has more to do with theoretically my you know, relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. And something I've heard you speak about in the past is uh, you, what you call the inner saboteur. So I'm curious, you know, w- what you mean by that, if you could define the inner saboteur and how that relates to how my emotions come across to others. Yeah. What triggers you? What is triggering you in that, in that, um, in that conversation? This is, this is a part of self-awareness, right? Um, you can uh, be passionate about a topic and there can be emotions in, uh, you know, being raised when, when you talk about a particular topic, it's fine. You need to understand though, what's triggering you. Um, why? Because you can't be controlled by your emotions. That's the first, um, that's the first kind of, um, um, point of failure of us as human. Uh, when we start making decisions based on emotional um, thinking. So you have to have emotions. It's very important. They're very, but you need to, they're very useful, but you need to use them as data. Right. And so what triggers you? What are you afraid of? Right. And you talked about the inner saboteur. Um, Inner saboteur is a little voice in your, in your head. Um, saying, well, if this happens, then, well, it's, it's trying to protect you, basically. If this happens, then, um, you're not going to be able to do this or that, right? Kind of, kind of, uh, self-talk. Uh, it's trying to protect you from change. So when, uh, when the boss, for example, comes to you and say that your role is going to change, uh, it triggers those kind of, self-talk right oh yeah but if if that happens then uh, either i'm not good enough or uh, i'm not gonna go be able to uh, reach my objectives in my career or i'm gonna have less time to do what i like to do this all this those are all uh, kind of a negative self-talk and and uh, and saboteurs sabotaging talk right it creates fear in you and then if you get kind of controlled by those fears, then, then, uh, you start, you stop thinking rationally. And that's where like the conversation goes into, 
fighting to 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 get to your point or fighting to uh, achieve what you want to achieve instead of kind of trying to understand what's what's behind it right that whole last bit really sums up the the, the crux of the issue uh, and, and everything is safety you know all of the things that we do negatively usually tend to be because somewhere in our subconscious is trying to keep us safe so devolving into argument or whatever it is is because we're we we feel threatened or challenged in some way mm -hmm. and we're, we're trying we're trying to keep ourselves safe but something interesting that you said there um, that i'd like for you to expand on a little more is you know you mentioned that you know emotions are important in so much as we can look at them as data and not let them control us. But I feel like emotions and data are kind of the exact opposite, right? When people think of emotion, it's like it's supposed to be like emotional and, and it's not about facts. It's about it's about feelings. So how do we take that and flip it into where it's like we we're taking the emotion out of emotion? So First of all, I'll, uh, I'll give you another perspective, which is it's not the only uh, data. So it's uh, you've got the emotional data and you've got the rational data, right? And you need to use both. They're not fact. No, but they're still data. And what they are, they, they are, you need to feel them because, first of all, it's part of you. So if you try, you know, the, the expression of what you're trying to escape kind of lingers, kind of, I can't remember the exact expression, but if you try to avoid it, it's, it's just going to stick to you. So there's no point trying to avoid your emotions. Your emotions are in you, they are you, and you need to feel them all. There's a difference between experiencing your emotions and being controlled by them. As soon as you understand the need that's behind an emotion, your emotion loses strength, loses its grip on you. That's one thing that, you know, when I learned that and I, when I tried, I was like, this is amazing because all of a sudden it's less of a weight. The data that is important is the need that is behind. So using it as, okay, I'm feeling frustrated. What is it that, that I'm missing here? Well, I'm missing comfort or I'm missing relaxation or it can be, I'm missing to be a quietness, for example, you know, like the need that you have, it's yours and the, um, the frustration is data and you're like, okay, so if this is it, how can I kind of adjust the situation to make sure that, you know, I, I respect that need of mine. But at the same time, when you understand, for example, let's say um, it's a need for support and you're feeling frustrated, when you link both, that frustration uh, loses a little bit of, of its grip on you. It's a, li a little bit less strong. And then you can, you can manage it better. So that's, that's, I think, something that is very useful. It's a interesting paradox of as you said uh kind of like what you what you resist persists right that's that's the saying that's right it's like right when you when you when you try to avoid something you end up running head on into it more whereas by 
diving deeper into it and digging underneath the actual frustration and you find out what is actually causing it, it actually can help release that thing. And so you're not caught in that same pattern over and over. But we go back to that's when the saboteur kicks in. That's when the self-talk kicks in because that's scary turning into the skid, right? When you, when your when your car spins out, like your inclination is to turn the wheel the other way, but you're supposed to turn into it, right? So that you, mm-hmm. you can take control back faster. But that's that's oh, every inclination in our body goes against that. So it's the same thing with this where it's like when when we are frustrated or uncomfortable with something, we want to run away from it. So I'm curious if you have any techniques or prompts that you use with people or with yourself to help investigate that a little bit further to kind of dig into it and and get to the bottom of what is actually causing that frustration? Well, recognizing it is the difficult part. I think it's the most difficult part at the beginning, at least, because uh, self, self-awareness has um, uh, many layers. And uh, if you've never done it, then then it's like just being aware of that you're frustrated. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be challenging. What I, when I work with my clients, it's the first kind of thing that we work on, which is increasing that self-awareness. And that can be, um, you know, people, um, like reflecting, reflecting on like, you know, the day or the week and being like, okay, what situations did I feel unwell? Just like, I felt like it was painful. It was challenging. Right. And what did I feel? And you can use the, um, you know, there's a, the emotion, emotion, uh, wheel of emotions, I think something like that, that that is pretty, uh, public knowledge now. Um, if you Google that, it's like this because like, it's a, it's um it's a big that there's so many different emotions that you can you can use right um to describe it and uh, so many names you can uh, use to describe an emotion and 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 which what is funny is when you read the name in your mind you know that's what you're feeling like this is this is a, a feeling that oh Am I frustrated? Not exactly. Maybe anxious. Mm. And then, you know, like you come to the right word, you're like, the yes, that's it. Right. But that's not very important at the end to get the right word. What's important is you put your finger on it. To just train into putting your finger on it. That helps increase that self-awareness. Okay. So that's uh, that kind of answers your question around like, when people are frustrated and obviously getting to uh, understand how you feel is difficult, that's that's one exercise that you can do, right? Um, and then after that, like you, you know, the more you work on that, the more uh, you create a habit, and then you will detect it more and more easily every time. I talk about this a lot on this show and everywhere that I talk, it's, it's, you know, everything is the same. And these habits are just like a muscle in your body. The more you use them, the, the stronger they get. 
the, the more inclined you are to start noticing this stuff, uh, the, the more it will become second nature. You know, one of the things that I talk about a lot are the shoulds. I don't like that word should. Whenever people say it, it should be like this or something. I'm like, well, no, it's, you know, it shouldn't, right? The shoulds are something that, that I try to, to, to remove from my vocabulary. And because of that, I literally, if I say that word, it triggers in my brain. I, I, I stop myself like I'll mid sentence. If I say like, yeah, I should be like, I'll like stop and say, well, well, no, I shouldn't like in the, while I'm talking to someone, but that came with years of me having to reinforce that habit over and over and over. So mm -hmm. it's, it, it's not something that just like you a switch that you just turn on just like, you know, the first time you lift a weight, it's extremely heavy. And then the next time it's easier than the next time it's easier. All of this stuff comes with constant repetition. So, you know, I, I appreciate you giving us these, these, uh, techniques. I, I think the, the wheel of emotion is extremely powerful as well. And, and that is something, as you said, anyone can just Google it. I'll put the link in the show notes as well. So if anyone hasn't heard of that, it's a very powerful tool that we can use. The last question that I have for you, Nicholas, is the same question that I ask all of my guests, which is simply, if you had one action step that you could give listeners to start living a happier, healthier life right now, as soon as this episode ends, as soon as they take their headphones out, what would that action step be? That's a good question. The first thing that comes to mind is improve the listening. So one, one action that you can do like right away is really like the next time you have a meeting with a friend, you you like put your mindset into, I just want to understand. I just want to listen. I just, I don't want to help. I don't want to give advice. I don't want to, um, you know, find a solution for them. I just want to listen and be there for them. Just that. I think that's a great tool. Yeah, I love that. And it's extremely actionable. And I think people will find it to be much more challenging than, than they realize. But again, it's one of those things you practice Absolutely. over and over with time. Uh, so I really do appreciate that. Uh, Nicholas, thank you so much for being here. I really do appreciate your time. I, I'm going to have links for all of your stuff in the show notes. So anyone who wants to go find out what you're doing about your coaching or anything like that. But you know, if people do want to connect with you, what's the best place for them to go to? Yeah, sure. So um, you you obviously go to my website, so nicholasrian.com. Amazing. That sounds like a great resource. I'm excited for people to check it out. Nicholas, thank you so much for being here. I really enjoyed this. That's all for this week. Be sure to subscribe and follow the show so you don't miss a beat. Support the show by sending this episode to a friend or leaving a rating and review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Stay happy, stay healthy.